It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, how many wins will the Hawks end up with? One NFL writer proposes a trade, and another writer proposes a trade for a disgruntled, maybe potential Hawks player. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. So how many wins are the Hawks going to end up with when this series is all said and done? Obviously, the Hawks down right now, 0-2, coming back home on Friday, State Farm Arena, the friendly confines of State Farm. And, you know, look, I've said that I think that this will be a raucous crowd. I mean, people love their NBA basketball, and people in this town really do, for whatever reasons, you know, rally around the Atlanta Hawks, you know, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, there are a lot of folks that rally around the Atlanta Hawks. And certainly when you have a franchise like the Boston Celtics, all of those people are going to come out of the woodwork, right? Like all of those people that are sort of closet Celtics fans are going to find a way to get down to State Farm Arena to see their team and this, that, and the other, you know, and obviously the Celtics are dominating right now. So, how many wins do the uh, Hawks end up with in this series? I think the Hawks do win on Friday night. Now, call me crazy. Call me call me ridiculous because maybe I'm a little bit of a homer, you know, but I do think that when they get into one of these situations where you're back home and you need to put up your best effort and different things like that, and we talked about the other night, playing desperate, you know, like like having a little bit of air of desperation for the Atlanta Hawks. I think a little bit of that's going to come into play. They obviously know that their back is up against the wall, you know, and teams in the NBA do have kind of a way of, okay, maybe taking their foot off the gas pedal. And I think that it's going to be a case of Boston does a little bit of that. The Hawks come out and establish themselves, and they play well on Friday, and they figure out a way to win. Now, we'll talk more about the game and different things like that you know, tomorrow, but I do think the Hawks win on Friday night. From there, Sunday, and then moving forward in the season, because, look, in the series, because it's back to this, you know, they, they do this 2-2, two, two, uh, you know, 1-1-1 one, one, one as far as the, the series goes, right? I mean, so... Hawks play two games at State Farm Arena, and then they go to Boston, and they start flipping and flopping like that, okay? (sighs) Sunday, then. I I don't feel as confident about Sunday because I think at some point the talent is going to take over. You know, when you get off that emotional high of being back home, being in your own bed, you know, and, and all the things that come along with it, and you're motivated, and, you know, your back is up against the wall, right? 
maybe the Hawks take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I think that this series is going to go to five games. That that's that's my prediction on where we're at right now because the Hawks are certainly not the better team. The Hawks have done nothing to show me that again we're celebrating things like well we cut it to eight, you know, we cut it to ten, we we cut it to twelve. I mean that's the things that we're celebrating as far as what the Atlanta Hawks have right now. And and when that's just kind of what you're really celebrating, and yeah, I know the Hawks led 22-11 early in that game, and then the Boston Celtics said, okay, this is enough. We we got to protect our home court and all this funny business and things like that are not going to work. Then the Celtics got it going, right? Now, obviously, you know, you got to find a way to limit some of these guys, the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatums, and certainly Derek White, certainly have to find a way to at least limit some of their production if they're going to win on Friday night. And again, we'll break down the game more coming up on Friday. But I just I, I, I said on my radio show that I thought that this series would either be a sweep for the Celtics or the Hawks would fight, scratch, and claw and get themselves to a seven-game series and, and battle this thing all the way through. So I thought it'd either be a sweep for the Celtics or the Hawks would get a, find a way to get to seven games, okay? I don't think that there's any middle ground in all of this. I don't think that there's, you know, well, the Hawks battled, you know, for six games or different things like that. I don't think there's any middle ground. And if the Hawks lose in five, I don't think that there's still any middle ground to all of this because the Celtics are the better team. They've played better. They, they look like that at, at times that they want to figure out how to get it more. And they are a tough matchup for the Atlanta Hawks overall. Like this is just, this is just, you know, and again, we talked about the idea that the Hawks going into this playoff series, whether it's the play-in game or the first round of the NBA playoffs, you know, everything was matching up, not good for what the Atlanta Hawks want to do. You know, and this could have been Milwaukee as well. I mean, I, I don't think Milwaukee is a good matchup for the Atlanta Hawks. I think the same results could have happened if they had to play the Milwaukee Bucks, Miami's a different animal. Miami's a different animal that that matches up, and especially with the physicality of Milwaukee. That you know, again, look, Milwaukee rolled last night, but certainly the Heat can give them some some difficulties. But I don't think the Hawks can do that. But when you look at this series, and, and as I said yesterday, this series is becoming the biggest mismatch in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And, and I hate to say it that way, but this matchup really feels like, okay, the Celtics are so drastically better than what the Hawks are. They, they play better defense. They're a better offensive club. And some of the numbers don't necessarily bear that out over the course of the regular season, but they play better defense. They're a more efficient offensive team. They have more weapons to use. They're getting bigger contributions. Look, again, who's our Derek White, right? Who's the Hawks' Derek White right now? Who, who's our guy that's that's coming out of nowhere to find a way to score 50 points in the first two games, right? We, we don't have one of those kinds of guys. And, and I'm not talking about Trey Young or even DeJounte Murray, that a guy that you don't expect to put out that kind of offensive production, that's what I'm talking about. We haven't had our Derek White. You know, whether that was going to be Bogey or Collins or, you know, uh, Hunter, you know, whatever it is, we haven't had our Derek White. That's some of the, That's one of the things that we're missing along with, not playing very good defense, not being able to shoot the three ball well that we all talked about going into the series and things like that. But I, I look at this thing and say, at the end of the day, that when you see what this Hawks team really is, okay, 
if they don't win on Friday, for sure that this is going to be a sweep. I, I I really do think that if they don't win on Friday and they're down 3-0, I don't see a scenario where they come out on Sunday and find a way to win. I, I think that the Celtics look at, we're going to step on your neck and break it at that point, and, and we're going to get ourselves back home and rest and get ready for the next round you know, in the playoffs. But I think that the Hawks, they will come out with the energy that is needed to find a way to win that game on Friday. And then from there, I, I think that the series just, it goes back to what it's been in the first couple of games. Uh, I think the Celtics win on Sunday, and then they go up and they close the series out on whatever it is, you know, Tuesday of next week or Wednesday, or whatever. I don't even know what day it is next week when they when they close it all out or play a game five or whatever like that. So I think the Hawks win one in this. I don't see the Hawks winning more games in this. I don't see him getting it to six or seven games, not being a hater. But based upon what I've seen out of the Hawks thus far, there isn't a lot of things that instill a super amount of confidence for me to tell me that they can go in and and take it to the Celtics. I felt that way maybe before the series. I don't feel that way after I've seen the first two games of this series. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel's America's number one sports book, and MLB season is just full bore. It's beautiful. It's springtime, right? Lots of baseball all the way around. If you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can head over to FanDuel.com and sign up today and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The FanDuel Sportsbook app, it's safe, secure, super easy to use. It allows you to bet on everything from who's going to win to money lines to prop bets. How many homers were Aaron Judge have? How many strikeouts were Shohei Otani end up with? And everything in between. So head over to FanDuel and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and learn more. But go to FanDuel.com slash locked on where you can claim your no sweat first bet for your chance to win as much as $1,000 if your first bet doesn't win. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, the official partner of Major League Baseball. So ESPN writer Bill Barnwell recently did a mock draft where he had every first round pick involved in a trade. Now, I'll give you the scenario for the Atlanta Falcons um, here in this in this trade proposal because every pick was traded in the first round. Again, having a little bit of fun and this, that, and the other and for whatever mocks are and different things like that, okay? So the Falcons make a trade with the New York Jets where the Falcons give up the eighth pick and pick number 75 in the third round. The Falcons get back pick number 13, pick number 43 in the second round. So that means they would pick 43 and 44 in the second round and wide receiver Corey Davis, okay? Now, I know a lot of Falcons fans were excited about, number one, the idea of trading back just in general, that they were excited about the idea of trading, you know, down in the draft, okay? And Corey Davis is an intriguing player. He's a wide receiver, He's obviously got some production to him. I'm not telling you he's top tier. I'm not telling you he's Diggs or Tyree Kill or one of those guys. But he can be a productive player. Obviously, he's got some familiarity with 
with um, you know, Arthur Smith and and the time in Tennessee and different things like that. So when I look at this trade, and 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 this is what I think about something like this, okay? When you're talking about trading back, okay? Like I look at this trade and I say, okay, we give our first and third round pick to the Jets. We get their first and second and Corey Davis. I don't think that's enough. And, and see, that's what you get into. I don't, I don't think that I don't think that's enough in in capital back. Number one is thirteen to eight should cost you more money in today's NFL. Now, yes, we get their second round pick, but we're also giving up our third round pick for that. So I I don't like it from that standpoint of just the pure draft capital that we get. And then you throw in Corey Davis, okay? And I'll say that this is the problem, um, you know, with Corey Davis. But here's the thing. Corey Davis has a cap hit this year of 11.2 million. I mean, it's 11.1667 million dollars on the cap. So let's call it 11.2. And then he becomes a free agent after the year. Now, unless you're telling me that the Jets are going to pick up some of that contract, this is a trade that to me doesn't do a lot for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, I, I I keep talking about the idea of the Falcons are in a really good position at eight that allows you to possibly pick the best corner in the draft, possibly pick the best offensive lineman in the draft, possibly pick the number one or number two defensive edge in the draft. I mean, if you think Will Anderson is the best edge in the draft, we're not going to be in the mix for, then probably number two. Or, <clears throat> dare I say, um, whether it's quarterback, whether it's running back, whether it's wide receiver, you're going to have all of the best of those guys on the board. Now, I'm not in favor of picking those guys and things like that, but I don't need another. Um, and this is the thing. I need a wide receiver. I don't need an $11 million wide receiver on this roster, right? That That's like. That's like buying all the chandeliers and you don't even have a roof over your house. And this is what we've done. And, and this has been the philosophy of what we've done the last couple of years in the first round of the draft. You know, now I do understand that the quarterback scenario was going to be different a couple of years ago in Arthur's first year. They were either going to go after Deshaun Watson or they thought that they had Matt Ryan as a backup plan, right? That if it didn't go through with Deshaun, Matt Ryan would be here and he would help this team and, and blah, 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 right? Well, we didn't, we saw how that all worked out, right? Like nothing happened with all of that. But I, I don't need another 11 million. I, I don't need a guy at eight and a guy at four to catch passes. And then I, I draft, a, or I should say, I, I trade for a guy that cost me $11 million at wide receiver. Like I don't need those things. You know, I, why, why would I, why would I give up? first draft capital and move down to where, okay, now I'm not selecting the best one, two edge rushers. Now I don't have a chance to pick up the best offensive lineman. Now I don't have a chance to pick up, um, you know, a, a premier player, you know, cause I'm, I'm taking like second, third people and stuff like that all for Corey Davis to get Corey Davis. I like Corey Davis, but Corey Davis ain't Jamar chase. You know, again, if I could have Jamar chase or Corey Davis, who would I pick? If I could get a guy, if I could get a, if, I'd rather draft my next Jamar Chase or, you know, Julio Jones 
than it would be to take up Corey Davis and add a second round pick. And then I still give up my third round pick. Like these things don't make any sense when, and, and I understand that they're writing an article and, and Bill Barnwell's, you know, he's a good writer and, and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to the practicality of what the Falcons are, this is the old Peter King theory, right? That Bill Barnwell knows more about the NFL across the league than I'll ever know. Okay. But I know a lot more about the Atlanta Falcons than Bill Barnwell ever will know. He can have a cursory view of things from 35,000 feet. I'm neck deep into it down here in the trenches and things like that. So that's not a shot at Bill Barnwell. It's just the reality of the situation. You know, we live it, breathe it, eat it, sleep, you know, I mean, all those things. So again, these things on the surface, if you're just a fan of an NFL team, you know, team Y, you know, yeah, okay, well, Corey Davis, good wide receiver, played for Arthur Smith, and and they need a wide receiver and all this and the other. But we don't need an $11 million wide receiver. I, 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 I'm, I'm losing my ability to take the best player at different positions in the draft. This just doesn't make sense for the Atlanta Falcons. I, I don't see a scenario where the Atlanta Falcons would get into something like this. You know, now, again, this is all hypothetical and things like that. But you have to look at the mindset of what these writers propose going out there. That why do they do this? Okay, well, they think that they need a wide receiver. They think that Corey Davis could be a guy, you know, got some ties with Arthur. Okay, but when you dive down into it, these things don't make a lot of sense. They don't make sense for this franchise, you know. And maybe the same thing is being said in Detroit. Maybe the same thing is being said in Seattle, whatever, like that, Okay that when you dive down into it and you get in the nuts and bolts of everything with this franchise, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So again, I, I like Corey Davis. I don't like an $11 million price tag for a wide receiver. Uh, that's, that's like putting custom rims on a Ford Pinto. I, I don't, I don't need to do all of that. Like Corey Davis, but just not the $11 million price tag that is coming along with him. All right, we remind you to make Hitting Hard your first listen every day. And when you go there and listen to our podcast, make sure that you leave us a note in the comments about being an everyday listener. So we're trying to give a shout out to our everydayers, as we like to call them. So we want to recognize and find out who those folks are. So if you listen in every day, when you listen to the Hitting Hard episode, please leave us a comment, YouTube, wherever. Leave us a comment and let us know that you are an everyday listener. We thank you so much for listening every day. And we want to recognize the fact that you do listen in every day to our podcast. So we thank you so much for all of that. So another rumored uh, trade option and things like that. Look, the Hawks are definitely going to have an interesting offseason, right? I mean, no matter what happens with this franchise, I do think that it's going to be a very interesting offseason for this group they they can't just run it back right like the idea of well we're just going to bring everybody back for one more year and see if we can figure some things out and blah 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 blah, blah. I, I don't think they can do that you know now obviously i my personal opinion is that john collins deandre hunter clint capella that is your three most likely trade candidates Trey Young is not going anywhere. We've discussed this on the show. Trey Young is not going anywhere for this team. Okay. So get that out of your mind that he's going to be traded. 
whether you want him to or not, Trey Young's not going to go anywhere, okay? I don't think that they are going to move DeJounte Murray just yet. They may offer him an extension. They may allow him to go to free agency and, and figure out what he wants to do. But I, I don't think they're going to move on from DeJounte Murray yet, okay? They get to the trade deadline and they're not playing well and things like that. Okay, then I could see a scenario where they move on from DeJounte Murray. But for right now, I think they're going to keep Murray in place. So, again, Capella, Collins, and Hunter. There is one trade that, you know, is proposed by all these nudniks and different things like that that write about the NBA. And they have John Collins being traded for Buddy Heald, straight up. So they say, quote, Atlanta might be in the market for a designated sharpshooter, too, since no one really filled that void left by Kevin Herter. Um, give them a fireballer like Buddy Heald, and this attack could jump from good to great. Heald is 30 years old, averaged 16.8 points per game, five rebounds, 2.8 assists this past season, while knocking down 42.5% from three on eight and a half attempts per game for the Pacers this past season. He's heading into the final year of a four-year, $94 million contract. So obviously when you talk about the, you know, the money aspect of it, okay, I mean, that that could work itself out. So, but I look at this and I say that, you know, when, when, when these kinds of things get proposed, okay, are deals like that just shaking up things for the sake of shaking up things? Are, are they really adding a quality basketball player to our mix? You know, if you look at Buddy Heald's defensive uh, ratings over the last couple of few years, you know, his defensive rating has gotten worse over the last couple of years. In fact, he's, you know, he's at kind of not quite Trey Young level, but, you know, he's like 118 points, you know, per 100 possessions in his defensive rating. I mean, it's not all that good. It's been better in the early part of his career, but it certainly hasn't been all that good the last couple of seasons for him. But again, when I look at these things, is this just a matter of we have a potentially disgruntled player or we have a guy that needs maybe a change of scenery, doesn't fit what we do, and we're just kind of swapping guys for the sake of swapping guys? I don't mind Buddy Heald. I don't, I don't mind having a guy like that here. And certainly if he can shoot 42% from three, I mean, I'm all about all of that kind of stuff. Because again, Quinn Snyder keeps on the mantra of, well, we got to shoot more threes and this, that, and the other. I, I, Quinn Snyder saying we got to shoot more threes and all that, and meanwhile the Hawks are shooting twenty-seven percent from three. And I, I get what he's what he's saying in it, but again, the results are not there yet. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, look, are, are we going to get something back if we traded John Collins at this point? I, I don't think that I don't think the Hawks are getting much back in return for John Collins because. He is owed $75 million. So you, you're going to have to have a team that is willing to take on money. And obviously, you've got to make the money somewhat match in an NBA trade, right? And that's the difficulty of when you start to trade players. Look, that's part of the reason why you're not trading Trey Young is that he's got that super max contract. He's one of 11 players in the NBA that's got that super max contract attached to him. So when you're a... 45, 46, 48 million dollar a year player, there aren't a lot of easy trade scenarios. And and the NBA is not a situation where, okay, I can trade two or three first round picks and 
pick up a $25 million player. They don't allow you to do that. And by the way, too, <clears throat> can I say that the last thing that this team needs is more draft picks, more, more first-round draft picks? Like, we can't figure out how to draft with our guys that we have right now. And what we send in the Sadiq Bay trade when it was all said and done, like eight second-round picks that we had acquired. I mean, that tells you what the league thinks about second-round picks. Like, they're just like, you know, poker chips that are meaningless, right? Uh, they, they just, they don't have any value to them. I mean, they just, they're just like, you know, nothing. Just, oh, okay, we can just pawn off eight second. I mean, who does that? Eight second round picks. But I, I don't think that the Hawks can, I, I don't think the Hawks are in a position where they're going to get a lot of value back for any of these players, for Capella, for Collins, for Hunter. You know, look. DeAndre Hunter is a young player who's only got a few years in the league, but he's already on a whatever $94 million contract extension that he's going to go into his first year in. Like, I just don't see, unfortunately, that the Hawks are going to get a lot of value in return. More likely, what the Hawks are going to get is somebody with an expiring contract, somebody that's disgruntled somebody that a team wants to move away from. But I don't think that you get a whole lot back in return. So when we talk about moving these guys around and moving the deck chairs on the Titanic and moving them around, I, I look at the Hawks as they're going to have to go out and spend some money probably in free agency. They're not going to get a lot back in trade in return for some of these assets that they have, even though we may think that we can get a lot back in return. I don't think they're going to get a whole lot back when it's all said and done and you look at the contract status and different things like that. The Hawks most likely will have to go dip their toe again and figure out a way to get somebody that wants to come play here with this squad and looks at Quinn Snyder and the Hawks as a destination place, just like the Falcons are doing, just like the Falcons are figuring out a way to get guys that are of high caliber to come play here. The Hawks are going to have to do the same thing. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Make sure that when you listen in to Hitting Hard that you leave us a comment down in the comment section of whatever platform that you're using and let us know if you're an everyday listener. So we're shouting out to our everydayers. We want to see who is out there in our world. And listen, we thank you so much for being a part of the show and listening in every day to us. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast from. Get the latest episodes of Hit and Heart as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow to wrap up the week. This has been Hit and Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.